Hey folks, welcome to episode 316 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined, as always, from sunny Norwalk, Iowa, by the one and only Kyle Wood. Yeah, man, it's uh, I get it's kind of weird that it almost seems warmer here than it did in Texas, uh, but it's not. It's like negative 10 outside. It's just, I don't know, it's a warm negative 10. Um, I don't really know about that, but it's like 40 in Vermont right now. It feels fantastic. Also, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> we're, we're doing the uh, sort of yearly tradition of us podcasting while watching a Toyota Series weigh-in. So, just FYI, Kyle Weisenberger just weighed 17-14 and moved into second place. Ooh, an choke. ounce ahead of Laker. Yes. Um, but still, Lance Pemble holding the fork down with 20 pounds. Well, 20 pounds, 9 ounces. Yes. Uh, Okeechobee, not really fishing that good, to be honest, but long way to go. <laughs> we're, we're only uh, 74 dudes weighed so far. Out which of is, I guess, uh, 260, let, which is a percentage. About a third of the field, less than a third of the field. Yeah. A lot of one There's and like two pound fish. Yeah, not great. No. Um, very Florida when it's cold. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, but anyway, uh, we will, I guess, continue on. We are back from Rayburn. We had an actual tournament. It was uh, fantastic. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. It was, uh, we it got was to go good. fishing. Yep. Uh, Michael Neal won. All kinds of exciting things. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Okeechobee some more. And we've got an interview coming up with Josh Bragg, who finished in second at Rayburn. Has actually made the top ten in two of the last three. Uh, two of the last three pro yeah. circuit events, I believe. Potomac, Potomac which is pretty and, good. Uh, yeah. Um. So we'll kind of break that down. Uh, we haven't done the interview yet. I'm sure it will be good. And uh, I guess that'll kind of kind of do it for us, eh? Yeah, I think it's going to be a uh, fun-filled show. All right. Well, in that case, here is Josh Bragg. And Kyle, you and I will be right back. All righty, and now we are joined by Josh Bragg, who uh, is not quite as hot as Michael Neal, uh, because basically nobody is, but still has uh, made the top ten in two of the last three Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit events and uh, had maybe the catch of the century <laughs> on the final day uh, at Rayburn this year. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming on, man, and congrats on you know second place to start the season off. Yeah, great to be on again, uh, Jody, and uh, appreciate y'all asking me. Um, yeah, that catch was pretty, pretty wild there for a few seconds. Anyway, dude, so did you? I'm sure you've watched it back. Did you realize everything that happened in that moment? I did. I I, I vividly remember um, <laughs> going through that. With that fish, and I remember when I saw the crankbait come out of that fish's mouth and hook the net, I knew I could not let any slack get in my line because that, I mean, I don't know if, if, if anybody went back and rewatched it, but it was like very close, that fish coming out of the net, you know, after that crankbait came out. So, yeah, I, I remember, I mean, I, I knew as soon as I got that fish in that I was very, very, very fortunate to get that one that one in in the uh in the bag line 
or not the bag line, but at the tanks, I showed that to uh, Michael Neal and Cody Pike, and I don't. I wish I had recorded their faces when it happened because <laughs> it was like. I wish I recorded everybody's face the first time they see that because it's just the most incredible thing. Like, I can't believe you got it in, but at the same time, like, obviously, you know, you were kind of prepared to get it in. Like, you acted fast. You were thinking about it, you know? You didn't just have a heart attack like I would have. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've uh, I've been in some crazy situations before. Uh, fishing allows you to go through some, <laughs> some of those trials along the way. And, um, you know, most of the time, those – those situations don't usually go in your favor, and I just very fortunate and blessed it went in my favor that time. No, no doubt. Um, well, let's dive into Rayburn because it was kind of it's obviously our uh, first thing on the docket. You finished second. You caught thirteen on day one, seventeen on day two, and then we had a canceled day. And then on the fourth day, the weights were zeroed, and you caught eighteen pounds and finished second. Um, how does it feel to get off to such a good start? Because, I mean, that's a second place is a great way to kick the season off. Yeah, I mean, it does feel good to get off uh, to a to a good start. Um, you know, I've been so busy in the off season. I hadn't really got to hardly fish any since um, back in October. Um, and, and the way things are going, I'm, I'm getting my new boat and getting it rigged and and. Uh, ready to go has just been a has been a process just because of the state the the country's in now of getting product and and um you know getting your hands on different things i mean i know everybody can see that going into tackle stores it's just you know things are just tough to get so the off season has been kind of a a real um i mean i've been real busy and really hadn't got to focus a whole lot on fishing so um you know to get off on the right foot with a second place finish, you know, down there is, I think it's huge. You know, I, I just hope I can keep the momentum going the rest of the year. You know, I, I was in the cut for the title last year up until that last event at St. Lawrence. And, you know, um, some things didn't go to go my way the second day. And I kind of fell out of that, uh, title, um, making that title championship. And I, you know, that was a commitment I made, uh, this year was do what I had to do to make that title and uh you know to get to finish second and get off on you know a, a strong start it, yeah so it it means a it means a ton to get off uh that second place start nice um not to bring up like what probably is a little bit painful but what happened at at the St. Lawrence cuz i mean you only caught 3 that sec that second day and it's like kind of one of the premier fisheries in the world <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, and and that's one thing. I don't have a whole lot of experience up there. Um, I definitely was around the right fish. There was a, I guess there was that second. I think I had like fourteen or fifteen pounds the first day. I was making the long run down down around Clayton, and um, I just didn't. I didn't have a whole lot of areas, a whole lot of spots that I really thought had the quality fish on it. And the one at one place that I did have that I, I caught like a five pounder the first day and uh, another one almost four the first day off of it <clears throat> when I got down there there was a local I guess they had a, a local tournament and there was a local boat sitting on it when I got down there that day and um, I didn't panic I went to another place and caught it like a three and a half right pretty quick I just never could 
I never could get any more bites. And when and when you make that long run down there, you you kind of have to manage your time pretty pretty close, getting gas and then then making the run back. And uh, mm-hmm. I just didn't I didn't adjust and and do what I needed to do. Uh, I didn't have any fish up closer to the ramp, so I stayed down there as long as I could. Just some rookie mistakes that I made that I learned a ton from um, last year. With with where you were at in points, you know, prior to that event, like if you had to do it again, would you try to fish more conservative and stay and stay close and like give yourself a long day, or do you think that you know you kind of had some bad luck, but you know making that longer run was still the right call? Yeah, yeah, I think going back, I would definitely. Um, I think I I read into some things too much, you know, that it couldn't be. You couldn't do well up on the end that we blasted off from. I think yeah, thinking I mean, back, that's I Stephen would, and John I, Cox I, I, proved that wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and some of the other guys. I think um, there was someone else that fished up close at um, um, Matt Stephan. I think I think he fished up close, um, oh. but I would have not listened to that, and I would I would have practiced at least one full day up there. Um, and tried to figure something out up there close. Yeah, because I guess, you know, I don't, I, it's hard to say, but it, it feels like, you know, if you catch 14 pounds two days in a row, you're probably fishing on the Mississippi. Um, or right. you'd be a lot, you, you would have been a lot better off for sure. Um, right, for sure. For for Rayburn, had you been to, had you been there before? Did you go and pre-practice or did you just uh, show up fresh in Texas and find him? I actually just showed up. I mean, I had been out there before. Uh, I'd fished a couple of other uh, national events out there through the years back in like 2012, and then I fished a, an event out there in 2020. Um, so I do, did have some previous experience on the lake, and and uh, um, but you know I didn't get to go for I didn't even have a boat for pre practice. So pre practice came, and and then, you know the lake went off limits. I didn't even have a boat yet, so I didn't get to go out there any of that. So. I just went to the two, you know, for the for our official practice, and and um, actually found the fish that I um, where I caught all my fish. I found those fish like at <clears throat> I don't know, probably 11, 30, 12 o'clock on Tuesday, second day of practice. And um, I mean, I had no idea what I found. I mean, I saw a few fish when I grabbed the area, and you know, I turned around and, and made a couple casts, had a couple bites, uh, never set the hook or anything. Um, and then, you know, it just, it, it was getting better and better every day. Okay. So were you fishing just basically like one hard spot or did you have a few different areas? Like what, what were they like? I, I had, I had three, three different areas, uh, three different spots and it was very, they were very specific spots on this drain and, um, I would just rotate through those three. I did fish some, you know, I did fish some brush piles. Um, every day, my bite would die every day around 10 o'clock. I mean, I could not, I, I don't know, I don't understand where the fish went. It just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I could still see them. They just would not bite. Um, so, you know, later in the day, I would hit some brush piles. But my main area was three very small, I would say, boat size hard spots on, on, a, on a drain, on the sides of um, a drain. Hmm. That's really, uh, that's cool that you were able to, you know, kind of roll in there. And 
obviously, like, you're an Alabama guy. You know how to fish offshore. You've seen, like, it actually seems to me that uh, Rayburn kind of has maybe a lot of similarities to a place like Eufaula or something like that, where it's not necessarily current-based. There's timber. You know, you've got some grass. Like, But either way, like, you know, you, you're pretty adept at that. So it makes sense you could figure it out for sure. Yeah, it fishes. It does fish a lot, um, a lot, lot. You follow, and mix in just a, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of the Tennessee River ledge stuff um, in there with it. But it it does fish a lot, lot. You follow. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, that final day, uh, you know, you had eighteen pounds, and really, like you had it pretty quickly. How did, and and you don't know everybody's weights or anything, how did you feel kind of going into the afternoon and going in toward weight? Did you think that you had done enough, or did you feel like you might have left something out there? I knew, I knew after that, that second day I weighed 17 pounds, I knew things were changing a little bit and some fish were on the move. And I'm the, the, at the weigh-ins uh, that third day, Michael Neal said something right there at the end of the day. He said, you know, I think he said something about he didn't have it like nine pounds at like four o'clock. And he, in the last 30 minutes of the day, some things had changed and he figured out that fish had moved a little bit. And I, so I knew Michael had figured out kind of what I was thinking that, you know, fish were starting to, to move that those warmer temperatures had some fish moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew after I, you know, I caught what weight I had, I had, I had two really small fish that last day. I knew, I, I knew someone was going to crack a good bag, a 20 plus pound bag. I didn't, I, I don't think I thought 26 pounds, but I was yeah. thinking that 20 to 22. Um, and I had two really small fish and I just thought if I could call them out with four plus pounders that I would have a shot. Um, and as the day went on, I knew that bite would get tough, and as it, you know, the time was running out, running out, running out. I knew my chances of calling those fish out were kind of slipping away. So I never, I never did think like that. I would. I, I really thought I'd probably finish up in the top five, more down toward five, fourth or fifth place is what I actually thought I was going to finish up. Okay, it turned out that last day, like it was really pretty tough for everyone not named Michael Neal. I mean, you know. Josh Butler, like, he had had, like, a pretty on-fire morning bite these la- those last few days, and I feel like he left his first spot with less than a limit, which I don't think he did any of the other days. Like, you know, Becker was stuck on, like, two fish for forever. I mean, it was a it was a tough final day for some reason, except for Michael Neal and except for you right in the morning. Um, what, what did you try in the afternoons to try to figure out new bites? Like, do you think that... Did you try everything and you just sort of had bad luck to not run into where the fish were? Or do yeah, you feel like you, know, you I, could have I, tried more stuff, you know? <laughs> um, I definitely wish, I mean, I love throwing a jerk bait. And um, I don't know, for some reason, I just missed that bite that, that Michael got on, that jerk bait bite that Michael got on. Um, I did run around a little bit for a couple hours fishing some brush piles and things like that to try and you know upgrade some and you know i'd made i kind of had made a commitment uh the night before that i was really going to hunker down in that area that i was in and just kind of try to figure out a rotation through those 
you know, three or four places that I had, hard spots that I had, and see if I could, because every day I would leave, you know, around 11, 12 o'clock, and I would go fish brush on my way back down the lake trying to upgrade. And I, I would never fish those places in the afternoon. So I thought, well, I'll stay kind of close to that area, and I'll rotate back through them in the afternoon and see if those fish might fire back up. And, uh, you know, I threw a spoon some uh, out there, you know, tried some different baits, and, and it, I just never could get those fish to refire after the morning time. Hmm. Could you see them, like, on live scope or, you know, whatever your forward-facing oh, yeah. sonar of choice is? <laughs> Absolutely. That was one of those hard spots that I actually caught one almost five off of it that last day. If I could have got those fish to really fire, I, I think I could have had 25 plus because there were so many of them down there. When I would reel that crankbait down through there, and you could see it on the active target, you could see the fish. After I caught the five pound, the fish would just kind of move out of the way. You know, they wouldn't, they they just would not commit to the bait. You could see them come up off the bottom. They were sucked down so tight to the bottom, so tight to a stump, anything that was right in that area, that you couldn't see them until you, you know, reeled that crankbait through them, and then they would just come up, and you would you would see them. So, but they were a big school of fish there, and if I I believe if I could have ever got them to fire where I could have caught three or four of them, I would have I could have had a really good bag. Wow, that's uh, it's wild how many fish sometimes you don't see until they just pull up off the bottom, and like as great as right. modern electronics are, like there's still times where you. Don't yeah, you see those. See you can't see them. You know, you, no matter what direction you go over the move, <laughs> like the only way to see them is to get them to come up, or I guess to go down and look at them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because <clears throat> after the live on Sunday, um, I talked to a couple of the guys that was in, in the tournament, um, and they said, "Man, how did you find them?" I said, "I just graphed. I just happened to graph over them on Tuesday last day of practice, and I seen like ten fish." And it was like, man, we gra- I graphed it. I-, I had two different guys tell me they graphed that whole area that I was in and never saw them. So I don't know if I just got lucky in, in the-, the moment that I graphed over them, the fish were up off the bottom a little bit or, or whatever. Um, yeah, like a shad swam by and they yeah. got interested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something like that, you know. Um, or maybe they weren't there, but, you know, a few hours before you got yeah. there, you know. Yeah, they may not have been. I don't know. I don't know. But. It worked out though. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so, were you fishing out of your boat, uh, or were you still were you in a borrowed boat then? I was. I'm a little confused. I guess. Yeah, well, I was in. My, I was in my boat. I just. Oh, okay. I could not get it wrapped before uh, having to leave to go down. It's actually. I dropped it off at the wrap shop this morning, so it's. Uh, it's getting wrapped today. Cool. Cool. Uh, same looking wrap like last year. Uh, real tree, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna nice. have a real tree wrap on. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different uh, uh, design, but I mean, it's similar. Cool. Well, so my question then is kind of based on it being your boat and not a borrowed boat. You've got your active target uh, like on a separate pole, and I think it's one of the ones that has like a motor on it that like you can actually turn it with a button. Is is that true? Yeah. Do you like it? Why did you choose to go yeah. that direction? Well, you know, um, because it's so. The reason I went with it, the the 
thing is called a live scanner is what it's called. And, and it absolutely made a world of difference last week. Um, it's just when you get on an area and you spot lock, if the active target, you know, um, is on the shaft of the trolling motor, anytime that trolling motor moves, you cannot lock in on what, whatever you're fishing, whether it's a school of fish, a rock, a brush pile, whatever, because that trolling motor is steadily trying to, you know, stay on spot lock and it's steadily moving. With it on a separate pole and separate motorized deal there, I could just reach over and I could turn that no matter in the wind blew that last day, which yep. made it pretty hard to make those precise casts. But I was able to position the boat and I could I could move independently move that active target transducer and still see my target, whether that was the fish or the stomps or the whatever that was. So it, it made a huge, huge difference. Interesting. I, I know some guys like really swear by it. And then you see other guys, you know, like I guess probably Spencer Sheffield is the best example. Who's like an awesome live scope fisherman and he loves it on the trolling motor. Right. So it, mm-hmm. I'm just always curious of those different perspectives. Um, yeah. Steve, it, you know, on the oh, trolling motor there, there's, there's a plus on the trolling motor. Like if you're going down the bank, you know, you can, without, making forward momentum you can you can turn that with it on the shaft you can turn it and kind of scan around the area you're in where with it on a separate pole it's very hard to do that um so i can see where guys like it on the trolling motor it it almost if it was possible i'd almost like to have one on the trolling motor and on the you know on a separate shaft or if you could turn the the one on the separate shaft if you could turn the one on the shaft, like just with your mind, that would be the deal. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, that yeah. would be the deal. <laughs> yeah, because I, I could imagine that me, I would try to be on the trolling motor and try to also turn it to the left, and then I would like trip over myself and fall out of the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could very easily get tripped up that way. Uh, that's that's <laughs> cool though, and I've heard that uh, it seems like a lot of guys really like that setup on the separate pole for up north, especially you know on a rough day on Champlain or whatever, uh, Stephen SD is uh-huh. like, he swears by it. So I suspect right. that'll work out well the rest of the season for sure. Um, yeah. How, I, I guess, uh, how do you like the rest of the season? Because it seems like it could be set up really well for you. You know, you fish the Bass Open some, so I'm guessing you've been to the James and you've definitely been to the Tennessee River. Yeah, I actually have not been to the James River, and I have not been to. Actually, I've not been to. I've not been to the Harris Chain. I've not been to the James River, and I've not been to Champlain. So, you know, three of the six I, I've not been to. But uh, you know, last year it's the same way. I, I, I'm very fortunate to have a job that, and you know, two two bosses that that um, you know, are very very supportive and let me take off work as much as I need to. And, um, so I'll get to go, uh, I'll get to go to the Harris chain and, and look around for a couple of days. And then, you know, same way with the James and, and Champlain. And uh, so I won't have that much experience on it, but I mean, I feel like, in a, if you can go pre-practice for a few days on lakes you've never been to, you kind of don't go in with a lot of history, which can, can really, mess you up as it did me some last year at Smith Lake and Eufaula of all places. Um, 
but you know, overall, I am I'm looking forward to. I think Pickwick and Guntersville for everybody is going to be a a fun. Both of those should be fun events for everybody. Um, so I'm hoping I can just kind of you know hold my own through the Harris Chain and James River and Champlain. Yeah, I think that. Uh... I mean, I think you've got a good shot to hold your own in them, I'm sure. And I feel like I'm really interested in those Tennessee River events because it seems like, you know, from the research I've done, that they're not going to be like wide open ledge fishing events, which I've seen a lot of those in the Tennessee River. So I'm down to see new stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Yeah, Pickwick definitely won't be a wide open ledge deal. There's probably going to. People are probably going to be able to catch them any way they want to, including on ledges. It's just not, it's going to be very specific. It's not going to be a lot of fish pulled out um, on Pickwick. Gunnersville, Gunnersville kind of going to be the same way. It's going to be from from inches of water out to out to the ledges. They're, the fish are really going to be in a lot of different places, and, and you'll be able to catch them a lot of different ways. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what are, so obviously with this year, you've got, uh, you've got off to a really good start. What were your goals heading into it? And have you adjusted those at all? Are you on track? What's, uh, how are you feeling? You know, my goal was to, you know, make that title championship. I mean, it's all, you always have that outside goal of winning one, um, but, you know, in, in today's world, I mean, the guys that are on tour is absolutely, I mean, it's just stacked. So winning one is like, things have got to really line up for you to win one, unless you're Michael O'Neill. <laughs> you know, but. He just wins um, basically every tournament he's in now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I right. wouldn't have said, I wouldn't uh, have thought that like four years ago, but now we're, we're in Michael O'Neill's world. Yeah, for sure. Um so, I mean, I think my main goal was to make that title championship. I mean, I think if you can, if you can, you know, make that goal and make that title championship year after year, you know, you can, you're really getting a lot of experience and you're, 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 you're catching fish. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah. You can have a, a you know, a bad event or maybe two, but consistently, you know, um, you're, you're doing pretty well if you make that title every year so um for me it, it that that's my goal is to make that title championship yeah i think that's I, I think that's a good one and like it's it's definitely you're right the the, the career longevity it doesn't necessarily come from winning an event it comes from making the championship <laughs> as many times as you yep. can and that's right you'll win something along the way. Like Michael Neal is exactly proof of that, you know? That's right. Yep. Um, how about the format change for the final day? Obviously this tournament, you know, we had a canceled day. It was a little odd anyway, but you know, you, you fished the, uh, you fished the Potomac final day and you kind of stumbled to the finish line. Um, and you ended up uh 10th. And I think that, you know, it, in this new format, you still would end it up 10th. Um, you got to, you know, you got to go out with zeroed weights and finish second, uh, this time. Do you have like, had you fished many 
zeroed out weight final days before? What, what, what was it like for you? Um, I mean, I just, my mindset didn't change. I went out and tried to catch as much weight as I could. I didn't think about second. I didn't think about first. I just went out and tried to catch as much as I could. Um, it, it, the format, I mean, I, under, I understand the, <clears throat> the reason they did it as a competitor and a fisherman standpoint, even though I benefited, benefited from it this time, I don't necessarily agree with it because we work so hard as anglers to go out and catch that weight and, you know, to, to four day, like four day, you know, I lose it. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to lose it at the end, you know, when maybe you kind of have pushed your limits on, on your fish and you're only going to be able to, you know, catch nine or 10 pounds, but you still would win if you can keep your combined weight. That, that would be a tough one to do. I mean, and I think it'll happen before the end of the season. Somebody's going to have a pretty good lead and, you know, only need nine or 10 pounds to win, but with a new format could possibly fall all the way down to 10, you know? Um, So uh, from a competitor standpoint, I don't necessarily like it, Um, but, you know, I definitely can't deny that I benefited from it this time. No, no doubt it it definitely i mean i guess you never know but it very likely uh put a little more coin in your pocket for sure um if you did, that. did uh, on day two uh did you kind of put together in your head like hey i should probably hold off because i think i've got enough to make the cut or were you fishing for the next bite as much as you could down to the wire i the second day, I, I fished as hard as I could. I didn't think I had enough. I, I, I went out that third day thinking I needed, you know, 18 pounds to make the cut. That would have gave me 31, a 30, little over 31 pounds. I thought it was going to take 31, maybe a little more to make the top 10. Um, so, and I didn't think I had 17. So, I, I thought I needed to make a couple more calls. So, I fished as hard as I could down down to the end and you know was just very fortunate that slid in there in 10th place and and uh yeah and i guess i mean you you, it's like you did get in there in 10th place like there's no way you would have uh you know even if you had had score tracker like you would have had to fish until the end like you were not oh you you were not in a position to you know let up whereas michael neal had he had all of the stats in front of him probably could have said, well, you know what? Maybe I don't need this one. <laughs> um, right. But it was still really close, like 33 pounds and 30 pounds between, you know, uh, yeah, I first think, and 10th uh, I is think, nothing on Rayburn. Yeah. I think, um, I made it in by five, I think four or five ounces and ninth place made it in by one ounce more than me. Eighth place made it in by one two ounces more than me and then like seventh made it in by three ounces more than me i mean it was the the weights were really stacked in there tight yeah they they really were it it almost looking at the weights especially after day one it it almost looked like a lake champlain tournament or like a northern tournament i mean the weights were lower than it would have been but it was just incredibly tight all the way through like you wouldn't know kickers existed there but 
<laughs> somehow right. everyone had just ended up at, you know, so, so tight. So that third day, like, or that second day, I guess probably everybody had to catch as many as they could just in case. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know that anybody yeah. probably let up much that third day. I don't think – I think most of the guys probably fished pretty hard throughout the day, that yeah, third I day. Can, I can see that for sure. Um, well, I guess uh, – I feel like, one, we've got a pretty good, you know, layout of Rayburn, uh, and we've talked about the season up ahead. Uh, do you have anything else uh, you want to hit on um, or uh, plug or anything like that? Because uh, if so, I'm all ears. Yeah, you know, I, no, I, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see what uh, I'm ready to get down to, to the Harris chain and, and look around a couple of days. And I'm going to fish the Toyota Series at Gunnersville in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that, you know. So I've got some things coming up. Um, I'm just ready to get out there and fish some. Get you know, get back in the groove of things and and uh, try to keep this year going on the in the right direction. Cool. Well, I like it, man. Um, I think uh, a little time in Florida will be probably excellent. Uh, it'll definitely be nice and warm, which sounds great. Um, and then that Gunnersville tournament is going to be a doozy because it's got a huge field. Yeah. Uh, so oh, that'll gosh, be fun. Yeah. Um, it, that one should be interesting for sure. I like it. Uh, you've got some social media too, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, follow me at, at uh, JM Bragg Fishing on Instagram, um, Josh Bragg or Josh Bragg Fishing on Facebook, um, either one. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, congrats on, you know, starting the season off so well at Rayburn. And uh, I'll see you in not too long down here in Florida. All right, Jody. Appreciate you having me on, man. All righty. So, Kyle, we're back. And I guess... The main topic we should probably start on is uh, that Michael Neal is unstoppable. Um, <laughs> he really <literally> is. <laughs> cannot be stopped. <laughs> he really is, man. It, uh, it, it It's kind of wild talking to him, uh, you know, post-win, how he's, he's just like a different dude than he was five, six years ago. Even two years ago, I guess, to a degree. Um. Like he's just so much more comfortable in trusting his decisions, and apparently they're very good decisions <laughs> that he's making. So, uh, I, I just expect to see a lot more of this probably in the future. More Neil winning, more, you know, what he's been doing, I guess, forever, making top tens, but now being at the top of the leaderboard instead of, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it definitely seems like. I mean, it, it seems like he is very likely to be like a pretty big problem for everyone he's fishing against uh, for a while now because <laughs> he has always been good you know like yeah. even i mean heck he's made top tens a ton with you know flw back in the day like at wheeler when uh when cox won like i spent a lot of time sitting on a dock watching michael neal wait on schoolers and i'm pretty <laughs> sure he made the top 10 in that tournament yep you know, he's like, he's awesome. And we've known it for a long time, but he has definitely, it seems like he kind of hit another level sometime last year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think a lot of it might be that he is fishing a lot more now. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Absolutely. He he credits that. Uh, I, he credits that you know some, and uh, he's not you know saying necessarily the whole reason I'm awesome is because I fish a lot now, but. I feel like, you know, fishing two tours for him is more than he really historically fished. He always says how he doesn't really fish when he's home, which is so wild to me that someone can be that good and not, like, just go fishing a lot. <laughs> right. Kicks. And especially <laughs> but, with, like, Chickamauga right there, too, you know? I know. Or, like, I mean, dude, East Tennessee has a lot of cool places to fish, you know? Definitely. Uh, but anyway, like, point being, now he's essentially fishing from, you know, he's fishing, like, twice a month. Like, at least two tournaments a month, just about, from, what, January through August at this, yeah. at this rate? Which and are, that's like... You know, a couple practice days, tournament day. I mean, you know, at least a couple of weeks on the water every month. Um, well, I guess a little under. But still, I mean, that's a good chunk it's of time. Lot. Yeah, cruising around, seeing fisheries, getting in the vibe, getting in the groove. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. But I, th- I think you're right that it's got to be his biggest factor. And, and I wonder if he'll try to keep, you know, fishing a lot more into the future, whether it's Toyota Series or, you know, whatever whatever else he can do during the season to just, you know, stay in that zone. The next we, – we obviously will try to get him on the podcast at some point in time. It hasn't really worked out this week. Yeah, he's got the BBT um, and, like, you know, whatever. He's big time now doing other kinds well, of interviews is super big time we'll have yeah. to contact the secretary probably, we, yeah but, we will <laughs> um he doesn't really have the bpt they're not even fishing today that i don't even know what the weather's doing but they're canceling things left and right so that's know. true they did postpone practice uh yeah he's got like he's had like five he's had like a month to tie on new baits from rayburn he should be okay <laughs> um but uh yeah so it i wonder if you know, maybe this fall, obviously he, there's like probably some cup events or whatever in the fall that he'll fish, but, or those team deals or something, but like, you know, maybe he'll say, Hey, I need to fish a couple fall Toyota series. I need to go to the Ozarks in the fall or, you know, get in that, like a last tournament, tournament at Seminole or something like that. I'm saying these things as though I know what the schedules are. I'm actually <laughs> kind of just pulling them out of my head. Right. But, right. You know, maybe... Maybe you'll see Michael Neal go on the road a little more in October and, uh, you know, kind of try to put the miles on and, like, keep fishing. Because I think that could be really interesting. That could be the, like, let's say, the next level of Michael Neal realizes, holy holy cow, I should fish even more. Cause yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. dangerous. Gosh, it would, right? Um, but either way, I mean, it was definitely, it was cool to watch him win, uh, you know, Neither of us were there, obviously, at St. Clair when the BPT event was. Well, this co-angler kind of has got a bag. Um, <laughs> but uh, never mind. I was wrong. This was a quick also, Toyota Series side note. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, dude. Um, but, uh, man, it's it was so cool to be there and watch him win. Because, um, like, he smashed them. Yeah. You know, there was – not that – if it had been a four-day tournament, because one day got canceled, and obviously only the final day mattered, but like if it had been a regular four-day tournament, boy, it seems like the odds are pretty good Neil was going to win. Um, yeah. And I, certainly in the way the tournament shook out, like he was absolutely the guy that should have won. You know. 
And it was it was really cool hearing him talk a lot about how he's gotten to this point, and the reason he also thinks he's doing really well is a he's fishing a lot, but because he's fishing a lot, he's trusting his instincts a lot more. And in this tournament, he completely abandoned on the final day what he was doing to start the event. Um, I guess he did go try to check it, but I mean he was totally different guy. Where I the times I recall watching Michael in the top 10 in years past granted there were a lot of tennessee river events where he's you know doing his thing right he's fishing offshore he's fishing ledges um but even like that cup at wheeler it he was still like he had what he was doing and that's what he was doing right he was going to live and die with it and that's kind of what he said you know him a few years ago would have tried to force that kind of offshore um still kind of around, I guess, drains, but that more offshore bite around the canyons. Yeah, the more offshore, the more vertical bite, Yeah, say. yeah, because he, he could see those fish. He knew they were, I mean, they were there. They just didn't want to eat. He would have just been stubborn enough to try to roll with it instead of saying, man, there's got to be fish somewhere biting. Um, you know, the fish, I guess, up around the canyons, you know, a lot of those fish were sitting kind of at the mouth of the drains. And so he just started running up. Like, he could get bit on the sides of the drains up there, which I think kind of then led him to running that same, that similar pattern just down the lake a little bit. And then, obviously, I mean, those fish were there. On the final day, they they were up on top of that, uh, I mean, it's like 8, 12 feet on the side of that drain uh, on a little flat. There was, I think, a hard spot or two, but mostly they were just kind of roaming around, but they were there. And by 8.30 in the morning, they were gone. Uh, granted, you know, he'd lost a five, caught a four and an eight and a half at that point. So kind of capitalized on it pretty good. Um, and, and he didn't even know where he was going to start on the final day too, which was another cool thing, uh, to see Michael just kind of feel it out, right? Take off. I'm sure there's a little bit of pressure taken off your shoulder, um, with a zeroed weight on the final day to a degree, right? Like, you know, at least we're all starting at the same point versus, if Michael would have went out with the lead by two pounds or been down six pounds, right. Probably changes a little bit of mindset. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful execution of the tournament. And, uh, like you said, super cool to actually get a watch, watch it and witness, um, you know, Michael put the piece together and grab another title. Yeah, it, it really was what, so you obviously watched him a bunch on the water and then, you did day five. Can you kind of like walk us through exactly what he was doing? Because he was fishing some brush. He was kind of fishing some drains. It seemed like really he was more just like from from what I could get on day five. It seemed like he was just in a good area with a jerk bait, right? Like it wasn't yeah. so much that he was fishing some like ultra specific pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're it, it, a lot of those flats kind of like at the top end of the black forest. Um, you know, you have, a, there's tons of drains in there and some of them have stumps. Most of them like without any grass, they're just, they just, I don't know. They're just areas that the fish will probably eventually go spawn to. Uh, and a lot of those kind of main lake little shallow pockets off of them. And yeah, it, he'd, um, like on day five, for example, there were a couple of drains that we actually side imaged through and saw some fish. And then he'd throw a waypoint down, but go back, not necessarily to the waypoint, but it just gave him the confidence to then use uh, Lawrence active target and kind of just 
cruise through. I think he was keeping the trolling motor on about a 70%. Uh, but there's a lot of like left and right, obviously, you know, so you could look uh, up on top of the drain, down on the bottoms. In the tournament, he was catching a lot of the fish either like on the sides where they where they flattened out. So like I said, that 8 to 10 um, or at the very back of the drain where it kind of flattened out or where it shallowed up and met the flat, if that makes sense. And it might be like I know on the final day when he was coming back in, he cold, uh, caught a four pounder and a couple other ones in, I think they were like five or six feet of water. Same drain uh, that he caught that eight and a half out of just moved in more. So it wasn't like he was pulling up making specific casts. You're right, he did have a couple of brush piles he was fishing. One real shallow one that was up uh, by the 147 bridge, kind of like by Bird Island. It was in, I mean, it was shallow enough, he put his poles down. And when he would cast yeah, And he it, caught like a five-pounder off it. Yeah, exactly. He got a five-pounder off or it. Or whatever. Um, and, I mean, there were piles of fish there. Um, just little specific things that he marked or um, I, some of it he was kind of telling me, Things it was places he saw in practice that looked good, but he never saw any fish on it, or maybe he saw a fish or two, and didn't think anything of it because when he looked at that deeper stuff, uh, that's where those bigger, larger groups of fish were. And as the tournament went on and pressure got to him, like you know Saturday, um, with all those local tournaments going on, I mean it was a it was a zoo out there. Um, and those schools, a lot of those deeper schools kind of broke up. And that's when Michael started saying, like, I got to get away from some of this. And whatever I'm doing, I can throw this drop shot at him as much as I want. I can throw a Domeki rig at him as much as I want. They're just not eating it. You know, I got to go find some fish I want to eat. And it didn't take him that long. Once he started running those drains uh, with active target and a jerk bait to really start catching fish. Uh, or at least being able to trigger fish, I should say. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, they were... They were up there ready to eat. We kind of had, I think we, we had a pretty good we- weather front for it too. Or I guess, you know, the nights kept getting a little warmer as we progressed in the tournament. The daytime highs kept getting a little warmer. Like I think those fish probably oh, man, were that saying, last day was gorgeous. oh, it was gorgeous. Like that, that probably helped what he was doing, but also him recognizing like, okay, I can't do this. I love how he kept saying he never understood what fish and drains meant. And now like he seems like he's got this confidence about like oh I get it now I get how these fish move up and down them um, even though there's not necessarily like a stump some of them do have brush piles but again a lot of these fish he was catching were just you know swimming up and down the the drain when we filmed day five man we hunted down a pile of fish uh, that we were casting at but they're moving so quick a lot of times you couldn't even get your jerk bait to where they were before they were gone uh. And, th- and that's kind of what he did. Like, just keep the trolling motor going, keep running drains. Uh, you know, in that kind of uh, between Veach and Mud Creek, really. Well, really, probably from Caney up uh, would be kind of where he, I mean, I looking at his graph uh, in the boat on day five, man, there were trails everywhere. And uh, most of them, you know, it wasn't like they were trails from practice. It was all uh, that. Yeah, new stuff. Back half of the day three and the final day. So, dude was covering some water, but, man, when he when he finally figured out what he was looking for, you know, the those drains just kind of all through that area, and if he could get to them quick enough with the jerkbait, because that water, it's not super clear, and he was 
pretty adamant about the fact like you got to get that jerk bait on them like as soon as you see them on sonar uh, which was not hard to do uh, or I mean it was hard to do uh, but a lot of times when you did that's when uh, you know like the fish he caught on day five and, and even in the tournament like he said it it didn't take too long for them to decide to bite uh, when when you could get it near them but a lot of times it was just they're moving around so dang much he couldn't keep up with them outside of neil was there anything in the tournament that like surprised you because honestly this will sound kind of dumb but i thought it went like almost exactly how i thought it was gonna go like the fishing wasn't really very good live scope was really important uh like we didn't see the like the height of texas really very much you know what i mean like yep but at the same time like a lot of normal texas stuff worked you know like i don't know it seemed not even that Neil, not even that what Neil did was like extraordinary, because I think like we knew they were eating a jerk bait in practice. Like it to go catch him in the wintertime on a jerk bait is not a surprise, right? But like obviously he caught him much better than anyone else the last day. At the yeah. same time, like it was just kind of the whole tournament was kind of a grind, you know? It really was, and I think you could see the lack of grass. Um and what kind of toll it took. Uh, you know, there were a lot of guys. I think Becker was – well, Becker caught some out of Hydrilla. And I guess Despino would have, right? Or he was fishing around hay grass. Uh, honestly, Despino really wasn't around any grass. He was, okay. uh, there, was some, there was some hay grass, but he wasn't, like, really catching fish, like, in it, so to speak. Um, but uh, – he was definitely – he was kind of a ballpark to it, I guess. Um, but I, I, I'm trying to think, really, you know, Becker caught some. I guess Pete Pons caught some out of grass. Pete, yeah. Uh, and that would have been, like – that was kind of Veach area-ish. Uh, yeah, and then I think Shuffield caught a few out of grass, uh, but not later in the tournament. No, um, otherwise everyone else kind of just had – an area on the lake that had some fish and you just keep grinding it out through that and catching what you can catch. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I don't think really anything else, uh, was all too surprising, uh, from what we saw. I'm actually a little surprised Sheffield didn't catch him better. I mean, the dude finished fourth. Fantastic. But I think you and I going into it, were like, Hey man, there's plenty of fish to be caught on forward-facing sonar and with a jerkbait like sign me up for some shuffield right yeah and i mean maybe if he'd found the right area of the lake that neil was in you know like his shuffield sure. wasn't fishing near neil and i don't know if that's a problem for him necessarily or if he just what he found in the tournament kind of led him astray and ended up being the wrong direction but like he definitely had all the ability and all the skills to get on the same deal that Neil did. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, this will sound me. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making a little too much of it, but Spencer Shelfield has had a lot of close calls, uh, lately in his career. He's the um, new Neil, the new old Neil, Neil? used to do a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to say that, like, for sure 
he's gonna there's gonna be some switch that flicks and all of a sudden he'll start winning everything like Michael Neal does. But it feels like he is just a little he's he was a little bit off on this final day, you know, because he's kinda the kind of guy who's probably good enough to have been duking it out with Neil or Bragg, you know, for mm-hmm. first or second. Yeah. And instead, you know, he caught a pile of fish and beat a lot of other guys, but never really caught that big Rayburn pack, you know? Right. Um, but either way, like, it was definitely, it was a really good tournament for him. Uh, I feel like a really good bounce back, uh, too, after, you know, last year he kind of had a tough year, you know, by his standards. So, I think, uh, I like the start that he's off to, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, it was cool watching Despino catch fish, just because it was like, first it was refreshing to watch a guy throwing a bait caster. <laughs> All he did, he never like flipped, he made like three flips with a jig. I wish he'd flipped a jig more, but basically all he did was he was fishing these like sort of timber filled pockets and like he had basically, I think three of them that he'd go kind of back and forth in throwing a chatterbait and it's like the most dumb kind of fishing ever. All he's... You know, he's throwing a chatterbait out and reeling it back in. You know, not even really fast or anything like that. And, you know, he would catch pretty quality fish doing it. Um, and he was catching a lot of fish, especially that last day. So, that was awesome to watch. You know, it was great to see someone, like, actually, you know, fishing with real tackle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a... Not that there wasn't. Like, I mean... I watched uh, Butler light him on fire on day one in the morning. He caught those fish cranking. There was a pretty good cranking bite. Uh, well, there was an okay cranking bite. You know, nobody caught 30 pounds on it. So I don't think you can say it was pretty good by Rayburn standards. But, like, it was a way to get bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, watching Despino is fun. Honestly, one of the highlights of the tournament for me was watching Cody Pike and Michael Neal's faces when I showed them the clip of Josh Bragg losing that <laughs> six pounder in the morning <laughs> and then catching it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was if folks, if you have not watched this, you need to, uh, well, pull over in your car, uh, stop your boat, whatever you're doing. You need to watch it right now. Yeah. You, it's incredible. You owe it to yourself. Yeah. It's, it's some wild. Hot, like the sequence of events that it took for, he had to have the net. First of all, like, him netting the fish was a rodeo. He was doing a bad job netting the fish. And the fish was, like, just out of his reach or whatever. And then, like, the net breaking, the the bait coming out, but catching, like, it's just, like, a one in a million kind of thing. But, like, on top of each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was incredible. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what else really stood out from that event and maybe it's just that maybe maybe it's like more the people than the patterns does that make sense yeah like in in terms of who uh the top 10 was comprised of yeah yeah and and even like a little bit farther down than that but like if you look at the top 10 so you have bragg who is evidently on the upswing um you have Butler, who had a really good tournament. Um, then you have Evan Barnes, who seems to be proving more and more that he's 
like way more legit than we would have said he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely getting in a groove or something. Yeah, we talked about Sheffield. Um, we'll skip Pete Pons for now because, like, Pete Pons started really well out of Chobi last year and kind of regressed. But at the same time, like, two top tens in two years is kind of hard to do, and Pete Pons has done it. Um, Dylan Hayes looks like exactly like what you'd expect uh, based on his performance. And, like, Matt Becker is back on the horse. He apparently can catch, catch fish, he, actually. He can, yep. He proved it to himself. Um, Justin Cooper did really good. Uh, John Hunter did really good. You can tell it's a jerkbait hunter, a uh, jerkbait tournament because John Hunter did really <laughs> right. good, right? <laughs> um, and then like you know, Jacob Wall and Laramie Strickland, who are not necessarily supposed to be good at Rayburn, kind of they both did really good. I feel like I want to say they proved that they're there because Wall has been like you know, really, really solid. And Strickland obviously was amazing his rookie year, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It feels like a lot of the, a lot of the kids are uh, really sort of turned in quality performances. Yeah. Also Nick Hatfield on top for, uh, well, not on top for rookie of the year, actually Jeff Bridges is on top for rookie of the year, but Nick Hatfield, Blake Hall in 18th and 19th in the standings are right there. Not a bad showing boys. I think it could be a really good rookie of the year race. Because, like, when you consider that they've got the Tennessee River on this, and, like, Hatfield and Hall are both pretty dang good on the Tennessee River, and then Hatfield's been up north a few times, mm-hmm. like, I think that, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will be, uh, not that we haven't had, I mean, we've definitely had some, uh, pretty interesting races especially by the end of the season but this one i think will be um one of those that it just kind of keeps flip flip flopping throughout the year um so like going into it the final event uh champlain we might be like yo there's three four rookies all kind of neck and neck uh instead of kind of like a one or two horse race like we've seen a couple of times the last few years anyway yeah, I I could see that for sure. Um, I'm definitely, and I mean, heck, even if you look at, like, Handy, the beautiful, Newcomb, sitting in 35th. The. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, Andy, the Andy. I, we need to figure out what we're doing with this Nick, with an Andy. Yeah, Newcomb we, <laughs> we got to iron it out a little more. I feel like he just kind of gave himself a new one. And I don't know if you're, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, we should talk a little bit about Keith Carson, um, who is a rookie and boy, was day one exciting. (laughs) Dang, man. He, uh, he's, it's so funny. Like I've always thought of him as, um, like John Cox 2.0 and he kind of is, uh, but he isn't. It's like, it's almost like he's more, um, what am I trying to say? detail oriented than john perhaps he is very well that's almost anyone is more detail oriented <laughs> than john um that's like walking up to like a brick wall and being like check out how detail oriented this <laughs> yeah. is compared to john Cox. Yeah. Like, that is yeah uh 
<laughs> but you're right. Like, he is not exactly your carbon copy of John Cox. Yes, he fishes out of his boats. Um, <laughs> yes, he likes to fish shallow. But he is definitely out there. He's thinking just as much as John, but he thinks about not just shallow fish. Because John, like, believe it or not, does think a lot about how to catch fish, right? Oh, like, he's absolutely. He's not just yeah, meandering yeah. around not knowing how to catch fish. Yeah, like, there's a lot of purpose to what he's doing. Yeah, he knows what he's doing out there. And I feel like there's some of that just always going to be shallow aspect to Keith. But he is putting a lot of effort into other stuff. You... So, on the off day, the day they got canceled, Mm -hmm. you went to Kurth with us. Yep. You fished in the boat with him. You watched him, like, as far as I can tell, just be absorbed with active target the whole time. What was your impression with that? Do you think this is a bad thing or a good thing for Keith? Well, that's what I told him. Um, He turned it on, and we were looking at some deep grass, and uh, he kept scanning around, and uh, he was, I mean, like a kid in a candy store. He was so just shock and awe but loving it right we weren't even catching fish off it uh but like the cat and mouse game of like seeing them and trying to get your bait to them which by the way keith carson uh very accurate at distances uh when pitching uh with active target or like throwing at uh stuff on active target he says because he He golfs a lot yeah yeah that's his uh that's why like his pitching game has helped chipping game, whatever it is. I don't play golf. Golf's dumb, but you know Keith likes it, so that's cool. Uh, but yeah, he said uh, he's all about learn, trying to learn, you know, how it can help him more catching fish. He said the problem is when it when it comes to game time, he'll usually just say ah screw it and go back to fishing shallow. So he does kind of like regress to a degree, but he's also like trying to better himself or at least learn the technology that he can utilize at some point um in the tournament because you know he was he caught him day one uh cranking the rip rap on the dam Mm -hmm. and uh he actually caught a fish or two on day one with active target that were like suspended out off the rocks or like over a brush pile or something and uh he's like but if i hadn't been playing around with that for a while i would have i would have never like had the confidence to even throw at him, you know, he's like, I might not even thought it was a fish. So, uh, there's definitely a little bit of a, a difference between him and John, but, uh, I like, I, I think it'll be fun, uh, getting a roll with them this year and, and see how he approaches each tournament because obviously him and John, you know, being best friends, they, they talk a lot. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see like when maybe Keith makes some decisions that John doesn't, and is able to maybe, you know, finish higher than John. Or maybe John's just way better. And John will always finish higher than him. Well, John Cox is very good. John uh, is good. And, you know, a lot of us picked him to uh, win Angler of the Year. And uh, he officially is going to... Uh, he, he's definitely going to have an uphill battle um, <laughs> against uh, Michael Neal. Uh, yeah, but he got off yeah. to an okay start. Uh, yeah, he's sitting sitting pretty all right in whatever, 25th, I think is where he, Yeah, 25th. Yeah, I thought he was doing a lot worse because I thought, like, day one he had done, like, really bad, but he actually did okay day one. 
Yeah, he just um, didn't do what he expected. On yeah, he didn't. It wasn't quite like John level kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some folks who do have an uphill battle though, uh, like you know maybe even more than, um, John, are Justin Lucas sitting in a hundred and first, and uh, Skeet Reese in. God, why I lost it here. Hundred and something. How do you hundred and sixteen Reese? Yeah, which like both of those are truly uh, shocking, <laughs> um, like levels of bad for those guys. And you know they're both they're two guys who you would think would be a lock to make the title. Who you would think honestly should contend for England of the Year. I suspect. Probably neither of them can contend for Angler of the Year anymore. Uh, I guess we'll see. But certainly they, the title's still on the table for them. But there were yeah. a few guys who, like, really stubbed their toe in this derby. which really, like, kind of goes to show just how hard uh, Rayburn was fishing out there. Definitely. Um, anyway, that's probably that's probably good from Rayburn, would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think we can close that chapter. All right. Excellent. Uh, let's move on to Okeechobee. Um, uh, Kyle, so far, Okeechobee still really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, First place, not... Lance. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say it's not. Uh, it's what we expect for this time of year and, uh, you know, the cold fronts that are pretty common uh, in Florida in February, January. So, yeah, 20 pounds, yeah, Lance Pemble leading so far. It, it seems like if you hit it really, really perfect and uh, the weather is really ideal, Okeechobee can be really, really excellent. Uh, but when it is not really perfect, um, boy, it can be a slog. And uh, <laughs> if you look at this, we've had, let's see, 117 boats way so far. And we have... Uh, well, let's just go with 15 pounds. We have eight people who have caught more than 15 pounds. Um, if uh, 62 there's limits. ever if there's ever a tournament on Champlain where 117 people weigh and eight people catch more than 15 pounds, you can just kill me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it won't. It's like it'll be over for me. <laughs> gotcha. Noted. Um. But anyhow, they're uh, they're going at it. Maybe they'll maybe they'll catch some more fish tomorrow. I think the weather is going to be even warmer tomorrow. So like theoretically, you know, the fish should start to shake out of it at some point in time. But also, Okeechobee's not quite what it was. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. But I would I would oh. expect the fishing to pick up a little tomorrow. Uh, over today, but yeah, oof. Yeah, the the open uh, up on on you know toho and Kissimmee is not really doing that much better honestly cole sands has 21 15 there's a 16 pound bag but like uh seventh place right now is 13 pounds um it's like pretty tough sledding there too wow yeah um, you ain't kidding which i don't quite get why it's that bad because there's like a lot of offshore hydrilla there i knew i've i heard the jerkbait bite was pretty dang good in practice like I don't get that because I feel like if either of these tournaments were on the Harris chain, the weights would be like significantly better. Does that? Yeah. Do you think that tracks? Oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure. Yeah, 
I'm also not surprised to see Cole Sands uh, dropping bags. Oh, dude, that guy's a hammer. Um, ooh, Dylan McMillan, 13 pounds. Hey, now. This, I, I think this is our first McMillan sighting of the day. Oh, boy. So, and if he is the best one, then we should just expect worse things from Jared and Brandon. However, I yeah. feel like we might see better things. Yes, I think that we could. Let's see if I can, let's see, McMillan, Dylan, yeah, Brandon, and Jared have both not weighed in yet. So, we've got plenty of time left. Nice. Um, we have to keep potting until they weigh in. Yes. We're here for the long haul. <laughs> Live what do action. you want to talk about next? <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> we yeah. should. So, uh, anyway. Oh, now I forgot what I was Should we? Say. Oh, well, should we mention the Bass Pro Tour event coming up on uh, ba, 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 several places in Louisiana? Yeah, definitely uh, it's on a place called the the Dal. I, I think it's the Bonnet, but I'm not. Bon. I'm not. It's it's a lake. It's. Well, wait. Is it? It is. It is a lake, right? It's got like a lot of trees and stuff in it. Yeah. Point is, it's in Louisiana, and uh, also, bon? they're fishing this event from nine to five, which is the most cush thing ever. Baker. I'm just saying. Bankers hours. Yeah, these BPT guys, like, they they missed a day of practice. Now they're fishing 9 to 5. I mean, look, I love it from a, you know, pre-tournament breakfast standpoint. But, I mean, dude, the ABAs at Champlain, they took off at Safe Light in June. And that's like 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, get with it, guys. <laughs> Just saying. Um. Man, though, imagine a 9 o'clock takeoff, like how much stuff you'd get done. Oh, man. That'd be the deal. Yeah, you'd be... I mean, dude, 9 o'clock takeoff. We would make some big breakfasts. Oh, we'd have all the all the breakfast items. Yeah. Uh, hey, Kyle Walters just weighed in three for four pounds, 13 ounces. Yo. Um, but anyway, I think the main thing about this BPT event, one, it's the first one, and we have a bunch of... Uh, pro circuit dudes in it like actually qualified like we get to watch our man jeremy lawyer do work yep the other thing is that caney is like actually super dope it's where the knockout round is so they're not going to be there first but you know hopefully they'll be there by the time the weather is pretty good and like that one is going to be the day to watch at as far as i know i don't know really know anything about bussy break but I know that Caney is, like, extremely good and, you know, probably want to watch some live fishing that day. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, uh, Tyler Stewart, uh, there was, like, a preview uh, with him because Tyler Stewart lives around there, fishes a lot, and you and I both know he's caught yep. piles of big bags out of Caney before. Um, Hunter Freeman, former uh, college fishing national champion, won some derby like two weeks ago and had like 33 pounds a team tournament that was on caney second place was like 15 or 16 so lake's got some lake's got some juice yeah also side note uh 
Brandon McMillan just weighed in, he had like eight pounds. Dang, Brandon. Maybe he's just yeah. being nice so to Dylan. That's probably it. So, yeah. let's see. So, if the uh, if the tournament starts on the 5th, then 5, 6, 7, 8. So, the 9th is Caney, right? Tune in the 9th. The 9th. Yeah. When is the 9th? That is Wednesday. The is. Next week. Wow. February 9th. Buckle up. Folks, it's uh, probably going to be a good one. Maybe I should have picked Brian Thrift for this. I bet Thrift will do all right. Have you set, uh, did you set a fantasy team? I have I not. I know you're not one to set fantasy teams. Yeah, I have not. Okay, fair enough. Um, I did, but I kind of forget who I put on it, and I might change it more. Because <laughs> um, like I selected it, and then I got thinking about the rules too much, and so I had like, I had to, you know, reel my my brain back. <gasps> hey, it's Jared McMillan. Wow. Let's see what he's got. 11-8. The McMillan's coming hot and heavy. Wow. McMillan's really sucking it up out there, boys. <laughs> okay. Hey, so. <laughs> Dylan, uh, you are the best. Dylan, yeah, you <laughs> truly are the greatest. <laughs> All right. Well, Kyle, I feel like we uh, have reached a somewhat of a stopping point because we're now mostly watching the weigh-in. Um, <laughs> which is uh, probably horrible audio. Uh, but anyway, do we have anything we want to plug or uh, point people towards or anything like that uh, before we exit the show? Um, I think definitely MajorLeagueFishing.com uh, for a variety of reasons. A, Toyota Series going on Okeechobee. B, Bass Pro Tour Stage 1 uh, starts Saturday. Uh, definitely going to be some hogs got there next week. Toyota series on Rayburn, which we'll talk about at a later date. So, I mean, basically if you're not fishing tournaments right now, uh, and you want to get in the tournament mindset, majorleaguefishing.com, the place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are Kyle Lumber. I'm Jody Blanco. Um, if you want to email us, feel free or contact us in any way. Uh, yeah, what's if you want to send the, Jody a uh, congratulations for being the best fantasy fishing player in America, uh, yeah, hit him up. I actually wasn't. I finished seventh. Well, you were for a day though, so shout yes. out, shout out to Blanco. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, I, I, don't know I really think uh, I really blame Riverly a lot for not finishing first. Um, oh yeah, you could put a, put most all of that on his shoulders for sure. I think that at some point in time. I will find it in my heart to forgive him. Um, probably in like two minutes, but <laughs> you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm just like, gosh, why, why river? Why? <laughs> you know? Oh man. <laughs> uh, all right. What do you think? Get rolling. Yeah. I think that, uh, pretty well does it. Um, all right. As always, uh, Thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, Kyle, I guess, you know, over to you. Well, uh, yeah, folks, enjoy derby season. It's here. And uh, until next time, see you.